Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. This summer, we're walking through the book of Romans, taking a master class from the rich and powerful book of the New Testament. Romans is one of the greatest books of the Bible. It is the essence of the gospel and provides the rich doctrine of our faith. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, and God has used it to change the hearts of men and ultimately the world. In Romans, we see the impact of our sin, which reveals our deep need for God, and then the importance of living out our faith in Jesus today. Whether a lifelong student of the Bible to a first-time believer, this is a masterclass for everyone. Let's listen in. Well, good morning to each and every one of you. I'm so glad that you are here with us today. Uh, From time to time, I hear people make a statement that honestly just kind of confuses me. And I usually hear this around birthdays and anniversaries or special occasions, things of that nature. And the statement sounds like this. I don't really like gifts. Uh, You know, I know this is a special occasion, but you know, you don't need to bring me anything. You don't need to get me anything. And uh, just quite honestly, I'm always really confused by that statement. And I just nod and I smile on the inside and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why do you not like gifts? I mean, is that just the nice thing to say? I mean, who among us doesn't like to receive a gift? And so I'm thinking to myself, I, for one, am always happy to receive a gift. And I'm not going to boast about it. I'm not going to brag about it. But in my heart, I'm like, if you want to bring me a gift, I will gladly accept that. And I'm humbled that you would bring me a gift. Maybe it's because I like to give gifts for people. It's one of my love languages. And so, therefore, I enjoy receiving those gifts as well. And I don't want anything fancy. I don't need a fancy gift. In fact, I'm actually the most stoked whenever you give me something that I can actually use that is really, really useful to me. And so just recently, I've received some gifts that were very, very useful. Two weeks ago, I was sitting in the car rider drop-off line, dropping my daughter off at Knowlesville Elementary School, and she's getting ready to get out of the car, and, you know, kind of waiting for traffic. And so I'm doing what you're always doing in a car, you know, scrolling on Facebook. And I'm on the Knowlesville 411, and I see a lady make a post that the Dunkin' Donuts in Nolansville had a grand opening that day. And she says, for the first 100 customers who are there and who check in at the free gift tent, they get free coffee for a year. And so she has a certificate, and it says, I'm number 54, hurry. And I'm like, (laughs) locked and loaded, because I heard free. And so I come in on two wheels to the Dunkin' Donuts. It starts raining. There's a lady with a baby walking towards the free gift tent. And I'm thinking to myself, if there's only one left and she gets it, it's going to test my faith, but I'll be okay. And so I walk up. I'm happy to say I was customer number 82, free coffee for a year. Um, So if we ever have coffee, I'm taking you to Dunkin' Donuts. Um, Earlier this year, on my birthday, I had a friend of mine who knew me really well. And don't you love it when you have those friends that know you really, really well, and they know what you're going to like? And so I had a friend of mine, and they brought me this little gift bag, and I opened up the gift bag, and it was filled with several brand new G2 ink pens. If you know, you know. For you ink pen people, you know, I mean, there is not a better ink pen out there than the G2 roller pen. And I'm thinking to myself, I love when people know me. And they brought me this gift. It was so useful. Several years ago, um, uh, my wife and I received a gift from my aunt. And uh, it was, uh, the the gift came from a sad occasion because my great-grandmother, who was in her upper 90s, passed away to go be with Jesus. But she had this little recipe box in her house, and it was filled with some of her recipes, and they gave it to us. And it's now sitting in a place of prominence on top of our refrigerator, and I look at it every time I think about that little box, this old box, I'm reminded of her, and it's got recipes in it, but it's the memories that really 
are so fun to me. And it was such a sweet present. A couple months ago, my neighbor noticed that the swings in our backyard uh, were kind of in need of repair. And so he took it upon himself to go buy all the supplies and to come, unbeknownst to me, and fix the swings in our backyard. And I thought to myself, hey, that was like the kindest thing ever. And with neighbors like that, I'm never moving. Like I was like, I'm honestly like staying put for the rest of my life because it was such a sweet gesture. And when I think about all these amazing gifts, I stop and, and I have gratitude. It's truly uh, from, a, from a grateful heart that I realize the magnitude of, of someone who takes their hard-earned money and would give me something, or someone who would give me something that was valuable to them, or someone gives me time, or the, the gift of time, or they do something that takes time, and it is a gift to me. It, it's so special, and it's so powerful, and it's so humbling, because it's great to see or to be seen, isn't it? It's great for somebody to see you and to say, you know what, I want to recognize you, or I want to give you something special. And even if you are the type of person who says, I don't like to receive gifts at all, I'm sure that you can attest to how special it is. And that is, in fact, the heart and the tenor of what I hope you catch today as we dig into Romans chapter 5. Because in Romans chapter 5, which is the kind of the fifth week of the series that we're in, this master class series looking at the book of Romans throughout the course of this summer, particularly in chapter 5, you get this experience and you see these benefits that come in our life because of the gift of Jesus Christ. A little bit later, it's actually referred to the gift of salvation, the gift of Christ that we have. But with that gift comes not only eternal life, which is something we're going to be continuing to unpack for the remainder of our time here on earth, but there's also these incredibly valuable benefits, these things that come, these things that are even hard for us to put words to that come because of knowing Jesus Christ and because of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so some of the things that we're going to talk about today, I would put them in the category of absolutely mind blowing. It's mind-blowing to know what we receive and what, is, what we can receive because of the gift of Jesus Christ. And so my hope and my prayer is that as we cling on to these promises today, that you would walk out of this room today different because of Jesus. And that you would experience him maybe in a way that you've never experienced him before. The richness, the grace, the mercy that he has for you and these things that he wants to teach you and these ways that he wants to grow each and every one of us together. So I'm grateful that you're here with us. Thank you for your presence in this place. And why don't you pray with me as we open up God's word and just ask him to speak to our hearts in whatever way it is that he yearns to speak today. So Lord, thank you for this beautiful day of life, for a powerful morning of worship, for sunny blue skies today. We're so grateful, God, for a chance to be together. I know that it's not my accident that any person is here. And so I pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word, that you would change us, that you would challenge us, and that you would make us more and more like you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. Now, as I've said once already, we are in this series called Masterclass, where we're studying the book of Romans. And if you're with us for the very first time today, a special welcome to you. I'm so thrilled that you are here with us. And the quickest way that I could describe the book of Romans to you is it's such a deep, rich book that was written by this guy named Paul, and it was written to churches in a city Rome. And so in Rome, there's Jews, there's Gentiles. And one of the things that Paul is trying to get the Romans to understand, it's really the building blocks of the book of Romans, is that the only thing that makes us right in God's eyes, the only way that we are justified or made right is by faith in Jesus Christ. It's not the works, it's not the deeds, it's not the actions. 
It's the faith. It's the acknowledgement that he is Lord over everything in our life. And this morning in chapter 5, you're going to see what comes into our life, what's available to us when we grow in that knowledge, when we reflect upon who he is. So if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 5, you can follow along with me up on their screen, hop on a mobile device, uh, go to Romans chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 1 and go down through verse 8 here to begin. Picking up in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, okay, I got to stop. If you're new to Rolling Hills, you have never heard this before. But if you have been a part of Rolling Hills for any time, you have probably heard me say this. When you see the word, therefore, in scripture, you have to ask yourself, what is it therefore? Okay, it's a beautiful just thing for you to reflect upon, even in your own personal devotion time. If you're ever reading the Bible and you see the word, therefore, get in your mind. I have to ask myself the question, what is it there for? Why? Because therefore is not a word that you can start a sentence with. Therefore is connecting up to something else. So you have to go back and see what is the thought right before that. Well, if you go back one verse in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, it says, He, being Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So Jesus was delivered to death. He conquered death and was raised to life so that we could be made right. That's the base level truth. Therefore, because of that truth... Back in verse 1, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So chapter 5 starts with, therefore, because of Jesus and because of the justification of our faith. Again, that's the building block of the book of Romans. Because we are made right with our faith and through our faith and because of our faith in Jesus, Paul says that peace is available to each and every one of us because of God. Through our faith in Jesus Christ, we can have peace. And this is the first of a couple things that we're going to talk about today, that because of Jesus Christ, I can have peace in my life. It's one of the most beautiful benefits. It's one of the most beautiful things that we celebrate, that we can have peace because of Jesus Christ, that we can have peace because of this free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. And peace is a very interesting word, isn't it? Because maybe your life right now would not be deemed peaceful. Maybe you would say, hey, I'm just in a season right now. I do not feel peace at all. Sometimes we hear that word peace and it seems really elusive. And we think to ourselves, how could I have peace? But according to the word, peace comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And peace is within my grasp. Peace is not some unrealistic expectation, but rather it's something that I can truly have. It's something that I can lean into. So I want you to stop for a moment and I want you to think about a time in your life that was really stressful or a time in your life that was really chaotic or a time in your life that was a season of loss. And some of you are thinking about where you are right here and right now. <laughs> and you're saying, I don't have to go back in history. That's where I am right now. Life is chaotic. Life is not peaceful. It's stressful. But know that because you have been made right, know that because you are justified through faith, you can have peace 
because of God in the midst of any circumstance that you are walking through right now. And according to the word, nothing can take that away. It doesn't matter how low you may feel. It doesn't matter how many unanswered questions you may have in your life right now. It doesn't matter how much pressure and anxiety is on your shoulders. His peace is available to you when you realize the gift that he has offered you. And so the question at hand this morning that I want everybody to kind of grapple with, and you see it there on your notes, and maybe you want to write this down and reflect upon it today and throughout this week. Are you able to have peace no matter what season you are in? It's a good question to pose to yourself. Are you able to have peace no matter what season you are in? What would need to be present in your life right now to say yes to that question? How would I need to grow in order to say yes? I can have that deep abiding peace to know that everything is going to be okay, even when it doesn't look like it or even when it doesn't feel like it. Because if you go back to the text in verses 2 and 3, he says, through him we have gained access by faith into this grace that we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, we don't only boast in the hope of the glory of God, but he says we also glory in our sufferings. And so he says, it's this hope that we have in God. It's this peace that we have in the midst of suffering. It's those very things that cause you and I to struggle. It's those very things that cause us to need peace that he says, I can boast in. It's those very circumstances that put the pressure on our life to need peace more than ever that he says, those are the things that you can glory in, that you can take confidence in. You and I can be proud of the fact that we have hope in Jesus Christ. You know, it's not really good to be a boastful, arrogant person, okay? Don't go out of here and say, oh, the pastor said we can boast in everything. We can be arrogant. We shouldn't be arrogant. Now, if you are an arrogant person, which I hope you're not, but if we tend to have arrogance, what do we have arrogance over? It's usually over resources or status or influence or finances or whatever the case might be. We tend to have arrogance or kind of emboldened by those kinds of things. But the scripture says it's not your accomplishments that you boast in, that you can actually boast in knowing I have hope that there is peace available to me no matter how bad the circumstances may be. God gives us full permission to say, you know what? Boast about that. Be proud of that. Shout that from the rooftop, that I have hope in the midst of all of my trials that I have peace available to me because of my faith in Jesus Christ. And then he says, we can actually take glory in our sufferings. Hold up a second. That's strange. I'm actually to glory in sufferings. I'm to find some peace and hope and knowing that I can find glory in suffering. How is that even possible? How can that be? Well, see, I can take glory in my suffering because suffering accomplishes something, doesn't it? Suffering accomplishes something in your life. Now, let me set the record straight, and, and I want to put this in your notes so that you make sure that, I, that you hear this from me. No one enjoys suffering. <laughs> no one enjoys suffering, but everyone benefits from it. No one enjoys suffering, but everyone benefits from it. You, you would have to be, uh, you know, kind of warped to enjoy suffering. You don't enjoy that, but everyone benefits from it. You shouldn't enjoy suffering. But what happens as a result of suffering in our life? If you go back to verses 3 and 4, it says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. See, it's the suffering that causes us to learn how to persevere. And it's that perseverance that causes us to grow in that deep abiding character of Christ. And it's that character pull that catapults us into saying, you know what, I have hope where I'm able to say it doesn't matter the situation that I am in. 
I am far from hopeless. It doesn't matter how hopeless it looks like from a world's perspective. I am far from hopeless. And perhaps you can relate to that. Perhaps you can relate to those dark seasons, those difficult seasons of your life. If your life is anything like mine, it's actually the seasons that have been the most challenging where I have truly grown the most. Because what happens in those seasons of challenge, you learn to persevere. And that perseverance builds your character. And that character gives you a deep sense of hope. I mean, by definition, perseverance is a choice that you make when something difficult comes your way, i.e. sufferings. I mean, as a matter of fact, we rarely see prayer requests that say, you know, if you could pray for me, Pastor, I really need to learn how to persevere because I got a $5,000 bonus at work. You know, if you can really pray for me, I just need to know how to persevere to spend this money. Or I won an award. If you could really help me to know how to persevere through the continual accomplishments that I'm receiving right now. It tends to not happen that way. But we do need to persevere when we lose a job or when we don't get acknowledged for all the things that we're doing and we feel like nobody notices. See, those are the moments that you say, I absolutely have to persevere in the midst of those sufferings. And our character is strengthened when something presses in on us. And we most often cling to that hope when we realize, you know what, I cannot do this in my own power. I cannot do this in my own right. So because of Jesus Christ and through the gift of salvation and by me and you placing our faith in him, we can have hope. And this morning, if you don't hear anything else I say, I want you to hear this. Hope changes everything. Hope changes everything. It's that hope that we have, that we boast in that hope. It's the hope that changes our perspective. It's the hope that lets us know, I am not going to be destroyed by this. It is the hope that lets us know there is a brighter day because of Jesus Christ. And it's the hope that lets us know that here on this earth, there will always be brokenness. There will always be pain. There will always be struggles. But my eyes are set on the fact that I will in eternity be with Jesus and all of the stressors of this world will truly pass away. There's hope in that. It's that hope that changes everything. And it says in verse 5 that hope then does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's because of the hope that we have that we're not shameful, that we're not embarrassed, that even though we might be feeling like we're beat down, we're not destroyed, we're not abandoned. And when you see that hope that's available in Jesus Christ, you do realize In the end, everything is going to be all right. And in the end, everything is going to be okay. I've shared with you before some of the low seasons in my life, and and there's one that particularly sticks out that dates back to August of 2005 when I was in seminary. And at the time, I was living in New Orleans, Louisiana. And if you know what was happening in New Orleans in August of 2005, it was Hurricane Katrina. And I've shared this story even in sermons many times before because it was a, uh, a season of my life that was very difficult, a season of my life that was filled with lots of suffering, but it was also a season of my life where I saw my character and my perseverance and my hope grow in ways that I never could have imagined. And I was physically fine as a result of what had, what had happened in our city, but I was emotionally and spiritually and mentally really tore down. 
um, because I had lost um, basically all the possessions that I had owned. I had lost a sense of the livelihood um, in that season. Um, had lost the sense of just purpose and 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 God, what what's going on? What what what's this? What does this mean? And what's next for me? But I ultimately chose to move back to uh, New Orleans and kind of help rebuild the city. And God spoke to my heart in a way in that season that I had never experienced since then. And it was such a powerful um, it was such a powerful testament to God's goodness and to God's grace and to God's mercy through some things that I was enduring and some things that I learned in that season, but I heard his voice in a way that I never heard before. And it actually came through one of the wisest men that has ever walked on the face of this earth, and it was the late, great Billy Graham. Billy Graham came to the city of New Orleans in March of 2006, and he was very frail at that time, and it was just a handful of months after the storm, and to a packed New Orleans arena, he said something that I will never forget to a crowd that was trying to kind of dig out of uh, the, the grief and the loss, to a crowd that had lost loved ones, to a city that was broken, he said, I want you to raise your hand if you are hurting. And of course, every hand in the arena, thousands of people, goes up. And then he said, put your hands down. He said, now I want you to raise your hand um, if you have experienced any love in this season. And of course, thousands of hands go back up. And he said, put your hands back down. And then he said, I want you to raise your hand if you have seen any hope in this season. And every hand in the arena goes up, including mine. Because in this really dark season, I had seen hope in a way that I had never seen it before because I saw this outpouring of generosity from churches. I saw this outpouring of generosity from people who loved me. I saw this outpouring of generosity and care and support from strangers, from people who didn't even know me and from people who who cared about me just because of the situation that I was going in. And then Dr. Graham said something that was so profound, and I have quoted this so many times with people who are going through struggles. He said, if you have seen any hope in the midst of this storm, Jesus was there. If you have seen any hope, Jesus was there because the enemy cannot provide hope. The world truly cannot provide hope. It is only Jesus Christ and his presence that provides hope. And so if your hand is raised right now, know that you are not abandoned. And I love that Dr. Graham was actually kind of just reiterating what Paul had already written. He said, you persevere because that perseverance produces character, and that character produces hope, and that hope does not put you to shame, but rather it's that hope that causes you to be strong in the face of all of the suffering. Now, let's be sure, though, that we don't confuse hope with mere optimism, (laughs) because hope is not just being overly optimistic. Hope is not just, oh, you're a really positive person, and you're really, really optimistic, so you must have hope. There's a big difference between hope and mere optimism. Because hope says, you know what, I have faith in Christ. I have a commitment to Jesus Christ that no matter what may happen, I will remain strong. I believe that one of the reasons that Jesus is so important to Christ's followers, one of the reasons that I hope if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the reasons that I hope that he is important to you, one of the reasons that he's certainly important to me is that because we have hope of what is to come, don't we? I'm not afraid of death. Do I want to die? No, but I'm afraid of that? No. Do I want to get sick? No. But am I afraid of getting sick? No. Why? Because we have hope. We have hope that 
He is with us in the midst of everything. And according to the Bible, it's the sufferings juxtaposed with faith in God that helps us grow. So how about instead of trying to kind of rush through all the suffering, how about instead of trying to say, you know what, I wish this new chapter in my life would just unfold right now because I'm done with the chaos and I'm done with the suffering and I'm done with the stressors that I'm going through. How about we say, you know what, instead of trying to rush through that, I want to set my sights on anticipating the hope that's going to come. And God, help me to persevere through that. Help me to be strong in and through that. I love this day in our Rolling Hills calendar where we're stopping to celebrate and recognize um, this incredible milestone of our graduating seniors. And we're so excited for you seniors, and I'm excited for you parents of seniors as your students embark upon what is next in uh, their journey. And to you parents, I just want to say to you, job well done. Job well done. I do find it very interesting um, that last week we had little kids on the stage singing, (laughs) and uh, this week we have older kids on the stage singing, and uh, I bet if we interviewed the parents of these seniors, they would probably say, don't blink, because last week they were kindergartners on stage, and now they're walking across stage to receive a diploma. But, you know, sometimes as parents... And naturally so, we want to protect our kids from everything. Teachers, you know, you want to protect your kids from everything. And sometimes we want to make everything easy for them. And sometimes we want to eliminate all the risk in their life. And we want to, you know, rid them of all the challenges in their life and all of the hardships. Um, But the more people I've worked with, P.S., I don't really give parenting advice because I'm in the throes of having young children. So the people I have spoken with, um, so this is an advice for me. But I've worked with a lot of families and pastored a lot of families who have children who are now out of their nest. And so this is their wisdom, not their wisdom. What I've heard them say time and time again is, I wish I would have been more intentional. Or I wish I would have taken more advantages of the hard seasons in life to point them to Jesus and to show them the hope of Christ instead of just protecting them from all of the hard seasons. I wish that I would have helped them navigate more and to persevere more and, to, and to, to, to find more hope in the midst of even those difficult seasons to learn how to grow in their faith. Instead of being afraid of everything that I'm sending them into, rather saying I'm seeking to prepare them for the hard that is to come and to prepare them for the challenges that are to come. Just this week I was talking with uh, Pastor Nick from our Nashville campus and he said something so profound that I just had to share it with you. And he said, and I quote, sometimes a lot of people spend time fretting about the world we're sending our kids into. How about we focus more on what kind of kids we're sending into the world? Sometimes we fret so much about the world that we're sending this next generation into, but how about we focus even more attention on what kind of kid am I sending into the world? What kind of seniors are we sending into the world? So I believe it's time to help this next generation really, truly understand the type of life that they are to live. Because they are growing up in a world where sports and academics and success and love of the almighty dollar, all things that are fine and good, all things that I encourage you to lean into. But the reality is good grades will not only provide hope. Good grades will not provide all the hope that you need in the midst of suffering. And I realize every student in the room just clapped their hands and they're thinking to themselves, the pastor just said. (laughs) Not saying that. But because I love you, I'm going to be honest with you. Good grades do not provide hope in the midst of suffering. You can be the best at your sport. And being the best will not provide the true type of character that you need to withstand when life gets hard. Jesus, however does. 
Jesus sustains. Jesus provides. Jesus guides us. Jesus is the one that we build our life upon. And to the city of Rome that had all of the excess, that had all the wealth, that had all the intellect, that had all the prowess, kind of sounds familiar to us, doesn't it? Paul is saying your hope comes from Christ and Christ alone, and you realize what he has done for you. And when you realize what he has done for you, that's what gives you the opportunities to endure and to persevere, and to find that hope in him. Let's go back to the text, pick back up in verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you know that your hope is based on a gift that you didn't deserve? That Jesus Christ gave you a gift, and that gift came to you when you were powerless. It's that demonstration of God's love for you, and that happened while you were still sinners. Christ died for you. This is my favorite verse in the entire Bible. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God's love for you is beyond what you are capable of grasping this morning. God's love for you, my friends, It is beyond what you're even capable of grasping because, see, it's a demonstration of love, and that demonstration of love came to you while you were still sinners. So whatever you have in your mind right now as the weakest, most broken season of your life, whatever that has been for you, did you know that that is precisely the moment that Christ died for you? And I'm not sure that there's a greater act of love than doing something for someone that doesn't deserve it. For someone who can never truly repay you. See, we don't deserve what has been lavished up on us, but through Christ— I pray that we're able to wrap our minds around just as much as we possibly can about how good he is and what he seeks to do for you. And I pray that you would realize today how good and holy and right and just that he is. Pick back up in verse 9. Since then, we now have been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. See, we were reconciled to God. We were made right through the death of Jesus. So how much more shall we be saved through his life and through his resurrection? That is what we have reasons to boast in. And this Bible gives us the permission to say, you know what, I want to boast in that hope of Jesus Christ, that God gave me Jesus and I don't deserve him and I have peace in my life, though everything might seem like it is falling apart and you can have peace in your life, though it may seem like things are falling apart. I'm not going to quit when the challenges come because I have been made right through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And this isn't some just oversensitized emotional feeling, but it's a real life peace that comes from a heart committed to Christ. And then Paul concludes this little portion of the letter, picking back up in verse 12. Therefore, therefore, uh, so I've, I've spent the first 30 minutes on the first part, so I trust that you know where we are. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sin, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? 
Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in his life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So do you know why we actually have suffering in the world? We have suffering in the world because of sin. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, sin entered the world through the actions of one man. And ever since then, we have been broken. We have been desperate. Our bodies have been broken. We die. And we need a way to be made right. See, that original sin is a big concept for us to wrap our mind around today. But it says in verse 18 that consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. It was that one trespass that resulted in brokenness for everyone through Adam. But it was that one righteous act of Jesus Christ that resulted in freedom and justification and righteousness for us all. Don't you remember back in elementary school how much you hated when the whole class got punished because of something that one kid did? Or how everybody had to run extra laps because there was one guy that didn't do his job right on the basketball court? And I'm now thinking to myself as a grown adult, that was a prime opportunity for a gospel conversation. I wasn't seeing it in that moment, but that was a prime opportunity to say the errors of one person cause the punishment of everyone. But have you also been in those moments when you won an award for a team that you really didn't contribute to? (laughs) What a beautiful reminder as well that we receive something because of the act of Jesus Christ. When sin increased, it says in verse 20, When sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I hope and pray that you realize this morning that the grace of God is greater than all my sin. The grace of God is greater than all my sin. There is nothing this morning that prevents you from experiencing his grace. There's nothing this morning that prevents you from having that hope. There is no reason this morning that your character can't be stronger when you leave this room than it was when you came in to this room. And by his grace, his grace is greater than my darkest hour. And his grace is greater than your darkest hour. Do you deserve that? No. Do I deserve that? No. But aren't you thankful for that gift? Aren't you thankful for that gift that says, I have saved you when you were broken. I made you righteous. I justified you. I made you whole. And as far as the east is from the west, all of those things that you've struggled with are no longer your story. I'm so thankful for that gift this morning. 
And I pray that you're thankful for that gift this morning. And if you're here and you've yet to experience the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, may that be where you build your foundation today. May you find him here. May you know that he loves you. May you know that he's here. And may you know that he cares. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with friends and family in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.